Good morning, good afternoon, and good evening, depending on when you are listening to this podcast. My name is Sam, host of the Gauntlet Conservation Podcast, set up in the name of Gauntlet Conservation Trust to interview the people most involved with and supported by this wonderful charity. In today's episode, I interview the daughter and son of Graham, Daisy and Jake, to talk all things UK wildlife, conservation, the kind of things and the kind of problems that lots of local people cause for a lot of these species. So enjoy listening to Daisy and Jake talk all things UK wildlife. Good evening, Daisy and Jake. Thank you for joining me today. So on this episode, um, obviously with the first episode we had of the podcast, your dad outlined how everything came to be, um, how Gauntlet's here, why the charity is set up, and the kind of species that we work with. So uh, I wanted to take this opportunity and, and really put this episode together to highlight a lot of the issues for a lot of the animals that we look after here at Gauntlet, a lot of the, a lot of the animals we work for in the wild so just kind of if nothing else just to educate people at home about the kind of problems that um quite a bit of wildlife has uh, especially in, both in the uk and, and abroad i suppose so i want to start with with you jake i know some of your favorite species to work with um so what, what are the kind of problems that surround in the uk at least white tails and goldies because um from what we understand obviously they used to be quite prominent but now through persecution and, and all these other things they're actually now quite quite a rarity. Yeah, um, well, especially if we're looking first, looking to the white tail. The white tail is a bird that used to be found across all the coasts, across the whole of the UK. They found across all the coasts, and they were doing very well. And then, yeah, they were killed out in the 1800s. Mass persecution with them, down to mainly farmers not liking the species because, sadly, as humans, we see a big bird and or a big animal, any animal, if it's a lion or if it's a leopard, it's to this day and uh, us humans if we're scared of something instead of learning about it normally the reaction is just to kill it and especially with farming and everything I, I understand part of it because farmers want to protect their their livestock it's, a, it's how they make a living so yeah obviously they've got that urge to protect it which I can complete, completely back but a lot of these animals are completely misunderstood and they're not actually the ones doing the persecution so whitetails are a big problem because they're big scavengers even though they're, they're mainly a fish eating bird and why they live around the coast and stuff. And uh, But they're a big scavenger, birds of prey in general. If you look at most birds of prey, apart from a lot of your species of owls, pretty much every other bird of prey is going to be scavenging as well as as well as well hunting, because why on earth would you go use your energy if there's a dead carcass there? You're obviously going to go for that one. So yeah, whitetails are, are primarily scavengers. And what would happen is farmers have so many lambs, and especially when the sheep are lambing, and, uh, and a lot of them will be stillborn. Some of them will die of natural causes or other predators killing them. And then whitetails would spot a lamb and then come in and uh, and eat it. And there's not any records really of a whitetail coming in, taking a lamb and killing it on the spot. Because they're not really like that at all. They're not like other birds of prey. They can't take on massive animals. They're just not capable of doing it. And a lot of times they're very shy eagle as well, so they won't do it. And it's only got to test it when we fly our whitetails and look over livestock and they just completely ignore it. They have no interest in it in the slightest. And it's because it's too much risk a lot of the time. A lamb is normally going to be by its mother. That mother's going to give you a good beating if you go anywhere near that lamb. 
and a white tail if you, you can't risk breaking a wing or anything so they won't do it but yeah farmers pretty much believe this and then word got about and many people got very scared of white tails rumors got made that they would snatch children out of prams that, well they snatch children as they walk in school or take babies out of prams which none of this ever happened but no. rumors got made so people started hating this bird so they were literally stoned they were poisoned and yeah completely killed out and then many reintroduction projects started happening birds were brought over from Scandinavia, I think the reintroduction project started happening in the 1980s, if I'm right on that one. And uh, in mainland Scotland, they started, yeah, they brought over a, bird, a load of birds from Scandinavia and uh, and released them. And then a, a reintroduction project was set up on the Isle of Wight, so they started getting birds there. So they had a good population down south as well. And then, uh, and yeah, mainland Scotland, and then a lot of the white cells have drifted over to like the Isle of Wight, the Isle of Mull. And uh, yeah, I, went, I actually went to Mull in March this year and we went there with a with a photographer who worked with Gary Jones, he does a lot of work out with whitetails photographing it and he knows um, a lot of people who do the monitoring for them so we met one of the guys who monitors the whitetails, Dave Sexton and uh, yeah pretty much he just monitors the breeding pairs, he put rings on the babies and uh, he said still to this day we've got problems with whitetails being persecuted what will happen here people will get a photo of a whitetail carrying off a lamb and the next day it's printed all over your local newspapers on your news reports whitetail kills lamb and farmers see this and they've still got hatred so these birds are still persecuted to this day it's highly illegal doing it but birds of prey in the uk are massively persecuted whether that's goshawks golden eagles they had massive problems as well Many gamekeepers were uh, were persecuting them because they were hunting pheasants and stuff. And well, one of the reasons a lot of them were released was to kill off buzzard populations because buzzards were predating on pheasants, and then goldies were released, and then they killed a lot of the buzzards. So the gamekeepers then started seeing the goldies would kill the um, the pheasants, so they killed the golden eagles back out. So a lot of the yeah reintroduction projects that happened with them were just to benefit the shooting industry a lot of the time. So, but yeah, golden golden eagle population doing really well up in Scotland. And uh, just like the white tail, so hopefully it could be, especially the white tail, it could be a bird that we could get back in the coastal areas, and we want to massively get involved with that. We breed white tails now. We're the only zoo in the country to uh, to breed them, which is a pretty amazing thing. So we had two babies in two thousand and twenty two. We had our first two youngsters. One of them lives here, and the other one is going to live in uh, the. The English Bird of Prey Centre. Yeah, or the English School of Falconry, I think. Yeah. Um, I, I remember your dad spoke about that. Yeah, so he's gone to so that's going to work there, and then we bred another three this year as well. So it's amazing. So, yeah, we're hoping over the years we could possibly be part of the re release programmes if if we uh, really master it and we're, we're in talks with the uh, the people doing the release pro- projects. And if we get our birds back into the wild, that would be just amazing. If all goes just, well, yeah. If all goes well, yeah. That would be awesome. Mm. So, that's from the eagle side, so I'm going to throw it over to you now, Daisy, and ask a little bit about a lot of our native owls. So, so we've spoken about eagles, but owls face quite a lot of, well, kind of man-made problems. Not not to say that the eagles aren't facing man-made problems, but in kind of people's day-to-day lives, often how they how they deal with pests and at home. So, what kind of problems are our owls facing? Um, well, with sort of owls, you've got rodenticides, which is a massive factor which affects our, you know, our native birds of prey, in particular owls. You've got kestrels as well, which are suffering, but a wide, large population of your owls are suffering from howie poison mice and rats. Um, now, obviously, p- 
people don't want them in the house they don't want them near um, and the fastest and most effective way people believe to get rid of them is you go you buy poison you put it down kills the mouse or rat and it sorts the issue um, but people never really sort of think about the knock-on effect that has on the rest of the environment because you've got them owls that you know want them small mammals they want the mice they want the rats and um, so people put poison down people often think that a mouse or rat has to just eat or visit one poison station and it will have an effect on it and um, what we've actually looked into or what studies have shown with certain types of poison is that a mouse or a rat has to eat its own body weight in poison before it will have any effect on the body. So that consists of that animal having to visit multiple poison stations, eating multiple bits of poison from every single one in order for that person to you know, have completed the effect of, of killing that animal. The problem is, is that if that mouse or rat is to visit a few poison stations that doesn't match their body weight, they're still going to be quite happily roaming around. All it's got to take is for an owl to either be out, you know, dawn and dusk in the evening time and hunt that mammal and then suddenly you've got an effect that that will kill the owl straight away. Um, they've got very sort of, they're very sensitive bodies compared to what the rodents can intake. They can withstand that level of poison, the owls can't. So we've started to see a drop in numbers of them birds because of people putting poison down for mouse or rats um, which is devastating really because we're losing so much of our you know, native population of these stunning owls because of, of something that people don't realise is going to affect them. No and I, I mean you make a point with the fact that rodents are robust need to consume their own body weight but, but realistically for a lot of these quite potent poisons it's just trace amounts that can be lethal to owls because that, that's just how sensitive they are, isn't it? Yeah, massively. So I think that's a, a difficult one that, you know, I understand completely that people don't want, you know, mice, rats running around the house, you know, pooing all over the place kind of thing. But people have got to understand the knock-on effect that it has on the next bird, the next animal, you know, being a bird, being the owl that goes to eat that that animal that has quite happily withstand that poison that it's taken in. Yeah, and, and obviously for, for anybody listening at home, we're not saying don't try and control your rodents, control your pest problems, just look at ways that are, are possibly more humane, don't necessarily have a knock-on effect on on the ecosystem and, and on our wildlife, really. Yeah, there is, there's loads of, of humane ways to control the problem that you know doesn't result in you killing anything, poisoning anything, and have an effect on the, the wider environment. Yeah. Oh, that's great. So we've we've talked a little bit about, obviously, our UK species and the problems our UK species are facing. But one of the biggest things that, um, for anybody that's been to Gauntlet, knows uh, we are very much driven by is, is, is vultures and our vulture conservation and, and everything we do for them. So um, kind of just for the next part of this episode, I'd just like to highlight for some people that may not necessarily know two of, two of the kind of the biggest problems um, for vultures out in the wild. So, um, Jake, if you could start us off with, um, obviously we've got we've got poachers as, as one of our biggest categories, but not necessarily as people might think of poachers. Yeah, so one of the biggest problems of vultures out in Africa are poachers, but also poisonings. Poisonings is one of the biggest killers of vultures. Well, it is the biggest killer of vultures out in Africa. 
and it's resulted in resulted in uh, resulted in us losing. I'm getting my words out. Um, up to around about sixty-seven percent of vultures across Africa, which is a pretty incredible number to lose in a very short space of time. I believe that and statistics higher in Asia, isn't it? In Asia, yeah. In in Asia, they had mass problems. This happened quite a few years ago now, and uh, a drug called diclofenac got released across Asia. And if you go in like India and Nepal, they've got one of the highest yields of cattle. They've got millions, a lot of time cattle outnumber people out there. Yeah. And the cow is sacred in many religions out there, so they won't be eaten. They'll just be used for towing carts, for milk, and stuff like that. And, um, and what your dick fennec got released, it's an anti-inflammatory. It's used in lots of human and veterinary medicine. If you have Voltarol gel or anything, dick in that. And uh, what started happening, cattle started getting treated with dick Very cheap, so farmers could pump cattle full of it. And it cure any swelling or anything which is so common for all, all these cattle they normally just treat all of them with it just to uh, just to uh, avoid any possible uh, swelling or anything and uh, and what happened is once cattle die because they're sacred they leave them out for the vultures to eat it's a free cleanup service if you think these guys have got literally hundreds if not thousands of cattle you have at least a couple dying every few weeks so Instead of having to call someone to come and collect the animal or just leave it sat there rotting the vultures, they leave it out for the vultures to eat. And, uh, and they say because the cow is sacred, the vulture eats it. Vultures are some of the highest flying animals on the planet. And uh, they say they eat them and then they take the soul to heaven. So what started happening is they started seeing vultures drop off in numbers to the point that they lost, I think it was 98% of the population, recorded about 68 million vultures killed in a very short space of time it's one of the fastest declines in that in a land animal we've that's ever been recorded in history and um and what they found out it was a, a scientist did some tests on some of the dead vultures and they found that diclofenic the drug that's been used in the cattle was poisonous to vultures it caused gout and kidney failure and it kills them within about 24 hours so in that short space of time we'd lost that massive population of vultures Across Asia, they quickly found out they needed vultures because carcasses built up. They saw a massive increase in in feral dogs because your vultures are your primary scavenger. If you lose your vulture, much more food available. Therefore, you see feral dogs doing much better. They shoot up in numbers. Feral dogs aren't the best scavenger to have about because they are much more aggressive. They will bite people while a vulture, unless it's cornered or grabbed, it will never bite a person. They're very nervous of people. So, um, and, and feral dogs carry things like rabies. So they saw a massive increase in rabies uh, because vultures weren't there. So they saw about, I think it was an increase in rabies by over 400% just because vultures weren't there Jeez. anymore. So the government's quickly realized we need these birds massively. And then Dickofenic got banned. It still is now and again used. It's also used across Europe. And, but yeah, it's banned across Asia now. So you're not legally allowed to use it. But obviously there is still a few cases of it because it's a very cheap drug and a very easy drug to get hold of. But yeah, going to Africa, uh, the Asian problem stopped. Vultures are now incre- increasing in Asia, which is amazing. We're never going to get the numbers that we're used to in our lifetime anyway. Sadly, vultures are very uh, are very slow at uh, building back up numbers because vultures have never been a problem until the humans came along. And most vultures only have one baby a year. Some of them will actually only have a baby every two years. So... Um, so getting populations up spend, it takes a lot of time so uh, so yeah Asia's, Asia's population is going up and now Africa is facing another issue poisonings poachers also farmers a lot of poisonings when I headed out to Volpro last year we went out to an accidental poisoning of uh, it was in Kimberley and pretty much a farmer had overdosed cattle on a, a tick treatment and he didn't really know what he was doing he, he, he 
worked on a government-owned farm, and what I heard is a lot of locals get given the roles of running these 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 farms for the government, and they're not particularly educated very well on how to on the predators around or scavengers around how important they are, also how to treat the cattle for certain things. And yeah, he overdosed cattle. I think now, if I remember right, there was twenty. Or maybe thirty no thirty five so thirty five dead cows had all they'd all been over overdosed on this tick treatment and yeah thirty five of them had died and this this treatment that was used was toxic for vultures a lot of mammary drugs will kill vultures very quickly and yeah we, we got there it was a four hour drive from Vulpro we got there and we found all these cows dead and vultures feeding from all them cows luckily we didn't find any dead vultures what can happen is these vultures will eat off the cows. Luckily, because the cows were sat in the heat, it's a bit gross, but they'd blown up the massive balloons. So it made it very hard for the vultures to actually penetrate through the skin because it was like they couldn't rip onto anything because the cows were just heated up. And yeah, we had to avoid the cows because in case any of them were going to blow up in the sun, they were just literally just rotting and decaying. So yeah, luckily none of the vultures could actually get a grip of any in the skin, but we didn't know because what will vultures will do once they've eaten, normally they'll head to a water source and they'll drink and bathe. And yeah, we, we checked the water sources, but yeah, they didn't find any birds. But vultures can travel miles in a very short space of time. So whether any birds drop dead a few miles away, we don't know. But uh, so yeah, accidental poisoning is a big issue. But the main problem is poaching. Poachers will poison vultures as they signal above carcasses. Vultures will signal an animal. They signal some vultures as well as other predators like lions and hyenas. They'll show them where the carcasses so they can break into the animals. And then all the vultures can start to feed. And so they saw above them, it gets poachers caught by authorities because authorities will follow the vultures and catch the poachers. So poachers start getting caught, so they want to lace the carcasses with poison to kill off the vultures. So this has meant that we've lost a massive percentage of our African species of vultures, all down to poison. And sadly, with poisons, you can kill a very, a massive amount of animals in a very short space of time because vultures, as soon as the carcass gets put down there, normally the first to rock up there, they eat a serious amount of food in one go, so they take in the poisons. They're so greedy as well, they'll literally just eat anything and then uh, yeah, taking the poison is killing them. Kills off offspring as well in breeding times. You can have sometimes over 1,200 birds affected on one carcass. We've had some really bad poisons over the years and uh, yeah, you can kill up to 600 birds at that site and then that's not even including the babies that are fed the poison meat or the parents die at the scene so the babies sadly are in the nest and they starve. So it's, uh, it's horrific really what's going on and sadly not just killing vultures, lots of other scavengers as well scavengers get killed in the process anything that eats off our carcass so yeah we're trying to tackle this as much as possible but it's a very hard thing to uh to tackle yeah i think um well it, it's one of those things um i know we, we've certainly had people on private experiences that are kind of coming with the premise of well why don't you just eliminate poaching problem solved but you're never going to eliminate poaching no. just because there's there's a ridiculous amount of money in the trade unfortunately and if you think yeah. africa is a huge continent and a lot of these like oh you've got looking big problem kruger national park kruger is the size of wales to give you an idea how big it is how on earth do you patrol that whole site you and still can't. you want to keep it wild as well we want to keep a lot of it because these are some of the only wild spaces that we've got left on the planet and how on earth you can't turn the place into a war site you've got to how on earth are you going to monitor that and save all them birds it's just impossible and the poachers get away with it so much like i went when i went to south africa last year as well we went to pillensburg national park and you say all the poachers do they just sneak in pillensburg is a pretty small um reserve as well and these uh i was speaking to some of the guys and they said yeah the poachers are so sneaky that they do it no problem at all and a lot of these gangs they're mafia driven gangs for millions 
they could just sneak in a helicopter at night, kill an animal, laser with poison, and nobody knows it's happened. So it's uh, it's it's crazy, really. It is, but yeah, it's it's those day. I mean, like say you highlighted just how many vultures we've we've lost in recent times. Um, so as well as poachers and poisonings, even all the accidental ones as well. Um, there is there is another big issue as well, isn't there, Daisy? Do you want to talk to us about that a little bit? Yeah. So um, when I went out to South Africa, I was working at a rehabilitation centre we support in Pretoria called Vulpro. And if you look at the factors and statistics of why we're losing vultures, you'll look at over 70% of that reason all being down to both indirect and direct poisoning. You look at a very small percentage, which is 6%, um, and 6% of the reason is all down to um, electrocution, you know, um, power lines, pylon collisions, all sorts. And... Even that small 6% in areas such as, as Pretoria, which is where Vulpro is, um, it's actually the most, well, the biggest factor of why vultures come into that rehabilitation centre. Um, I found personally on my experience when I was there that when Jake was there, he had a lot of you know poisoning-based um, rescues going out and picking up vultures. When I was there, it was, it was all down to electrocutions. And obviously these electrical pylons are huge. You've got these power lines running across them. Um, there is going to be that, you know, that time where there is going to be a collision with an animal. However, there are so many vulture collisions that were happening. Um, and we sort of delved deeper into why that was happening. And if you have a look on top of a lot of the electrical pylons, the electrical companies have actually put spikes all over the top of them. The reason why the spikes are there is because they want to discourage the vultures from landing on top of the pylons. They don't want them there. Um, so they put these spikes in place. Yes, it decreases the amount of vultures landing on the pylon, but it actually increases the amount of vultures that have power line collisions because you've got a vulture coming in to land on a pylon, uh, it dodges out the way of the spikes and hits straight into the power line. So you've got an increased amount of vultures that are coming in who unfortunately have to either have both wings removed or you know one wing removed and they can never be released back into the wild. So Vulpro had to sort of conquer how do we give them birds a bit of normality um, even though they can't be released back into the wild. So they came up with a fantastic system of creating an aviary with no roof on it. And that aviary is dedicated for the vultures that can't be released into the wild However, the wild ones can drop in through the top. It gives them that, you know, that socialisation, that normality to meet different vultures that are coming in from other areas. Um, we looked into it and thought, well, you know, what is being done to stop vultures from, you know, having these collisions? Um, and Vulpro said, well, they've put some measures in place. Uh, one is this sort of uh, reflective flapper type thing that comes down from the power line, and it always gives sort of the thing that there's like a, a mirror effect when the sun hits it, it, it brings up this beam. And that sort of is a, a signal to say to the vultures, you know, don't come around here. They also had these, um, it's been ages now, but these sort of things that go on top of the pile and they spin. Um, and it's just to be able to discourage vultures from being able to land anywhere near it. So there were so many things put in place that, that I learned at Vulpro to try and conquer the problem. 
the issue is is that if you go to the electoral companies, um, a lot of it is blamed on, well, the vultures have been poisoned. It's nothing to do with our spikes. So uh, what we did was we actually, myself and Shannon, um, we climbed up Snowdon just before our trip out to Africa. And we raised money to buy Vulpro 96 lead testing and poison kits. So the, the aim was for the birds that had had these collisions, they could be tested for both you know, poison and lead to prove a case that it, it's nothing to do with poisonings, whether it be indirect or, or direct. It's all to do with the, the spikes that they've put on these power lines. So it's kind of just... Um... In, in a lot of ways, forcing them to accept the problem they were causing, a problem that they were they were refu- basically refusing to acknowledge that they were causing. Yeah, massively. Um, and it was to, in order to create a bit of power to say, you've got to change it because this isn't, you know, look how many vultures are coming in. I mean, when I was in Volpro, um, there was quite a few vultures in rehabilitation that unfortunately weren't going to be released. Um, there was the birds that were in rehabilitation were going to be putting the aviary with no roof on it. Um, we had a really exciting one where a lot of the birds at Volpro can be released. We've got this fantastic aviary up in the mountain where um, the young juvenile birds go in and they can be released. But it was devastating to see how many vultures were in that aviary um, not being released that had, had been affected. Their whole life had been affected by humans putting these spikes on top of it. I agree that's been burned down as well now. Has it? Yeah. When I went last went it they, a few uh locusts had broken and they'd uh, they burnt the every down. Really? Yeah. So whether that was uh whether they didn't want vultures to be released or I don't know. But uh there's still massive hate against vultures around there, isn't there? So it's such a a huge I think I when I was out there speaking to the guys they said that you know, we're doing everything we can here in the UK to try and change people's opinions on vultures. You've got kids growing up watching, you know, Disney programmes where vultures are always the villains. They're always... Never the good They're people. not the good people. They're always the nasty ones that either want to feed off your favourite character or the, the, you know, the evil characters in it. Um, and they said, it's fantastic, you're changing people's opinions in the UK but it's also about changing the people's opinions out in Africa we went to a we had one where we had to go out to a a rescue and it didn't turn into a rescue because it wasn't possible to to rescue the vulture but there was um, a big sort of truck had a load of farmers on it and they were actually throwing rocks at a vulture trying to get it to hit into the power line and you just think what are you doing? And they do it because they don't like the vulture. The vulture hasn't done anything. Yes, they might have come in in the morning and like what we experienced talking about the white-tailed sea eagle, they see a vulture feeding off a carcass and they instantly blame that vulture. Well, a vulture is a natural scavenger. It's not going to kill it. It's just feeding off what was already dead. But because they see a vulture feeding off the carcass, they instantly go to think, right, well, it's the vulture's fault. And so that hatred is built for them. It, it in some ways links back to, to one of the problems Jake was highlighting with the white tails. Yeah. People, people just see it and just assume. Exactly. They, they, have, they have no yeah. context about it. So like, like you say with the problems with the, with the white tails and the lambs scavenging, but people thinking they killed them and that being a problem as well. Yeah, yeah, so ultimately it's all about changing opinions and getting people to realise both how cool vultures are, but also just how important they are as well. Yeah. They are the most 
I mean, most loyal, vital animal we've got on the planet. And I think it's always when you have somebody come in here at Gauntlet and you know that you working with the birds, you showing them the birds, whether it be experiences or whether it be doing the three o'clock show, if you know that they're walking out with a complete changed opinion on vultures, you good. know you've made a good bit of impact that day. And I think that is the most, that's what drives us to do what we do, is that feeling and of... The amount of people we've, we've told about this as well, you think thousands and thousands yeah. of people come to Scotland every year and every single one of them is getting drilled in their head about vultures. There are probably hundreds of thousands over yeah. the years that I know, which is hundreds of thousands more than we've uh, that didn't know before. So yeah. But we always say I think it's the you know we we encourage taking vultures into schools when we do educational visits and that because the young kids and the next generation that are going to be able to make a difference and I think yeah. it's important to encourage them you know young people to be as inspired as we are here and as passionate as as like us three sat right here, the passion that we've got for vultures, it's important to, to allow other people to experience that because if we don't do something fast, then I always say that people are only going to understand the benefit of how important vultures are once they've gone off this planet and it's too late at that point. And, and kind of just round off as well, one of, um, one of my favourite things, I, I think you two would probably agree, especially in um, our summer shows when, when we've got our big teams going, we run one of the biggest shows in the UK at the end at the end of our big three o'clock show, and whenever we have that big team of birds out all flying together, all all telling this story, you always see at least one person crying mm. in the audience always. somewhere. Yeah, yeah. It, but then I think it's going to sound really horrible now, but I love that. Not that I love seeing people cry, but but if you know it's had an impact. Is it is 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 they're quite moved in a way. That's yeah. What, that's why people are they're crying. Moved, and, uh, they feel emotion, but the biggest thing is you see the compassion that person has in that moment for the story that you're trying to tell in that show. And well, the animals tell it best. Don't the they? animals. They do. We always say a picture paints a thousand words. You know, we could stand there with the microphone and waffle on all day, but what makes the impact is all them birds up in the air showing you why they're important. Yeah. Well, that is great. So thank you both for just talking to us about a lot of the issues in the UK I'm sure um, a lot of people listening to this episode will, will probably be learning quite quite a few new things that they possibly didn't know before um, but yeah, thank you for taking the time with me Cheers Thanks. Thank you for tuning in to today's episode I really do hope you have enjoyed it and you've learnt something new if you would like to find out more please visit for the charity www.gauntletconservationtrust.org or for the business www.gauntletbirdsofprey .co.uk or simply visit the collection and speak to the staff team for yourself at Gauntlet Birds of Prey, Manchester Road, Knutsford, WA16 0SX.